Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. In light of the upcoming holiday, I decided to bring on one of the coolest single ladies that I know to chat about singleness. Happy Valentine's Day, single ladies! Today's guest, Becca Harris, is 36. She's single, loves Jesus, and she is mama to two young men that she adopted out of foster care who are now 20 and 17 years old. Becca's boys moved in when they were 14 and 11, and they were 16 and 13 when she adopted them. Even if you're not single, as you can tell, you'll want to stick around to learn how we can love our single friends better. But even beyond that, Becca's story is an incredible one to hear, regardless of your current season. I am certain that it'll stir your affections for Jesus and inspire you to walk in obedience to whatever it is that he asks of you. Today, Becca and I talked about everything from Jesus's life as a single man to what it looks like to submit our desires to the Lord without shutting the door on our dreams. Listen to what she said. Don't shut it off. Ask, pray, but also hold it with an open hand, knowing that our God is still good, even if he doesn't give it to you or he doesn't give it to you how you wanted it. And then don't fixate on it so much that you can't move forward with what he's given you to do now. Hey, thanks for meeting me. I have heard your name. I mean, for the last seven years at least. And so it's fun to hear your voice and to read your bio and to have an opportunity to chat with you today. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Well, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I see we have a lot in common, despite like in in addition to our mutual kind of experience working at Pine Cove, which Brooks just told me this morning. I don't know if you remember him, but he actually worked with you. I do remember working with Brooks. Yeah, he said to tell you, hey, so I've heard of you from many people, him included, um, and lots of my Forge brothers and sisters that have had just random opportunities to interact with you at the Stone. And it is just a mutual respect from everybody that I respect. So I was excited to have the opportunity to have you on the show to discuss the topic of singleness, which I don't know if you're excited about or not, because (laughs) I think if I were a single woman in my mid-30s, I would be probably tired of people asking me to talk about it. Is this something that you speak about often? Uh yeah, I talk a lot about singleness and then foster care and adoption. Yeah. Um, and so I don't I don't mind talking about it. I think it's, uh, you know, a unique place that, that God's got me in. And, and um, I'm able to, you know, speak truth to myself and then help remind other people about what God's doing and has called us to. And so I it does not bother me to talk about it. Well, I appreciate you accommodating me because um, your life is just so intriguing. It's one that I've kind of watched from the outside and just heard about. And so I'd love for the listeners just to get a little snapshot of what you do and what you're all about. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the reasons we're talking today is I, you know, I'm 36, single. So we'll talk about singleness. But I also, I'm a kids director at the Austin Stone Community Church. I work at our St. John campus. I've been on staff with the Stone for 10 years. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's crazy to see how much God's done in, in 10 years. And being on staff 10 years at the Stone means you're like really old. How long has the Stone been a church? Uh, let's see. Two, I think it was 2002. Okay. So we're looking at it, it's just turned 17 years old. So. Okay. So you've yeah. kind of been there for the bulk of the time. Yeah. Uh, it's and, and yeah, I have been. It's been kind of crazy. When I started, there was one uh, campus and we had just started morning services, which is why they wow. hired me. And now we have five campuses and multiple services at, at all our campuses. So yeah, sure. it's pretty cool. Yeah. And then prior to that, I worked at Pineco full time and loved it. Taught in the out, 
the uh, outdoor ed program of IWS. Nice. I didn't know that. Were you working with Jeff Suggs? I did work with Jeff Suggs. Awesome. Bree and their family. And so, yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. I was a Mama Ruth, so. so I had an opportunity to get to know him through that program. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. And you have a couple of kids. Can you tell us about that? I do. Yeah. So after being on staff at Stone for a couple of years, I just really kind of felt like God put orphan care on my heart. And yeah. so started looking into getting involved with that and was like, what can I do? And I love kids. And so began learning about that. And through a long journey that we don't have time to talk about in this podcast today, um, I ended up fostering an 11 and 14 year old, two boys, 11 and 14, and then ended up adopting them about two years later. Um, in November of 2013. Yeah, so they have been with me this past December, marked six years that they've been with me. So they're now 20 and 17, uh, which is crazy because I'm 36 and I have a 20 year old and a 17 year old. That Um, is crazy. So are they still living with you right now, your 20 year old? Uh, my 20-year-old just got an apartment on his own, so okay. praise the Lord. Um, and uh, But yeah, my, my 17-year-old is, is working his high school. So Wow. Um, that is huh. so unconventional, Becca, and so <laughs> crazy. And that, you know, as soon as I heard that, I was like, dang, this girl is really just following, obviously following the Lord's leading, because I genuinely like don't know why else you would do that. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And and if he, if I had known this is what it would look like, you know, back in, you know, like around 2009, 2010, when I was getting involved in this process, yeah, I would have said no. Yeah. I always tell people, because they're like, you're a saint. And I'm like, nah, incorrect. Yeah. That yeah. is not true. <laughs> Ask my boys who's the saint around here. It's not me. Um, <laughs> it's just, yeah, something that slowly the Lord led me to do. And, you know, that's this is where we are today. So. Yeah. You know, and it, it does. It reminds me of Jesus because you're like, that, that's just so unconventional and crazy. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on to talk about singleness, because I think a lot of the dreams that we have as women, we believe that we can't fulfill if we don't have a partner. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, to go about that with yeah. and alongside. And so one of the things I just want to start straight out the gate, because as I was thinking through singleness, it just occurred to me that Jesus himself, like our rabbi, was actually single. And so I'd love to just kind of start there um, and talk about how you followed him um, and talk about every single aspect of his life and what we can learn from it by looking at the life of Jesus Christ. So every time I talk on this, you know, I like to remind people that, yes, Jesus was single. Paul was single. Mm-hmm. Two of the people that we look at the New Testament, you know, obviously Jesus is our Lord. And then we look at Paul and his life and ministry. Yeah. And I don't think we can say that either one of them were lacking, right? Because if Jesus was lacking, then our Savior is right. not sufficient. Right. And if Paul was lacking, you know, if, like, I mean, he was an elder in churches. He was starting churches. He was discipling people, sharing the gospel. I don't think anyone there would say, like, Paul wasn't qualified to do certain aspects totally. of the ministry. And so I like to remind people of that. And then, two, I'm like, if you just look at the promises in Scripture, and two that come to my mind all the time um, regarding singleness is one that Jesus says in John 10, 10, um, that I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And he yeah. didn't add an addendum there, like, and they will have it abundantly when they get married and have their 2.5 kids <laughs> and are able to retire in the Bahamas. Like, it's like, yeah. they will have life abundantly in me. And then, you know, Psalm 1611 is like, you make known path of life and in your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And he, God saying, you know, David is saying there to God, like the, the joy is in God, not in totally circumstances. And so I think with most other things in life, we counsel people like, look at all the things God's given you, your job, your house, your spouse, whatever, as like gifts God's given you, that, right. but that's not where you find abundant life. Like we would not tell somebody that, but often for whatever reason with marriage and with singleness, we believe that lie easier than anywhere else. Absolutely. Um, at least, at least I feel like for women. And yeah. so we're like, if, I'm married. If I have a happy marriage, if this, that, and the other, then I have life abundantly. And so I like to remind him that Jesus, that's not what he, that's, that's not where he said life was found. Um, And that's not what he was promising people when he was like, man, things are hard. Uh, You know where you'll find your answers in a spouse. I mean, he just, and then I even think like when I look at Jesus and, and I find a lot of comfort here, like as far as being like being a feeling alone or right. like no one's around um, or I just don't have that 
someone, I mean, I do have someone to come home to. He's 17, but it's not the same as a spouse. But like the son of man didn't even have a place to lay his head. And Mm -hmm. his closest friends that were with him, they actually abandoned him on the night of the greatest need. And on the cross, he actually was even forsaken by our Lord, which, you know, for that, that brief time where he's taking on God's wrath. And I'm like, none of us have experienced that. Like we get we get all of Jesus. And so I'm like, we really do have a high priest who sympathizes with our, our, he understands. Like when I say I feel alone or whatever, he's not like, Hey, get it together. He's like, I know I will. I totally felt that too. I remember looking at Peter when he said, I don't know that guy. Yeah. And I remember, you know, I'm sure he felt those same things and he was a human being. So I'm sure he had the same desire for intimacy and all the things that we experience. Yes. Uh, just because he was God didn't mean he didn't experience that. And so I just take good, co- great comfort in the fact that, that I really do have a high priest who is able to sympathize with that and knows the struggles that come with that. And not only is he able to do that, but he is a good God that like in his infinite wisdom is providing and giving me the best gifts that I need. And so I can yes. trust that. Yes, know? totally. And the greatest gift of all, as you were mentioning, is him. And I think yes. so often we get caught up in the beautiful picture that marriage is, husband and wife, and how that points us to the ultimate marriage, right? Mm-hmm. We look at that. And then I think a lot of times we think, well, where does singleness kind of fit into that? And I love what you just said with the intimacy piece, how he has created us all with this desire to know and to be known, to reflect him. (laughs) As you're just speaking, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, singleness is a way of saying that my marriage to Christ is so sufficient and so Mm -hmm. satisfying that I can do without any human on this side of heaven. And I think that continual longing for intimacy, does it just press you into him, Becca? Yeah. And it, it totally does. I mean, I really am like, I mean, even this morning I was listening to Lord, I need you by Chris Tomlin, because it's like, I really don't, the blessing, it doesn't always feel like a blessing is that I don't have someone else that I can grasp onto to fill that. Yes. You have to cling to Christ. I need you. He's your you know? person. Yes. You know, and the longer I've been a single parent too, there's times that I'm like, I almost like oh shaking my, my the Lord, like, Hey, if you would bring a husband, it's yeah. not even at this point, like for me, it's for my boys, like give them a man. And yes. like, I just so kindly have felt the Lord going, mm. Hey Becca, like if that's what you needed and if that's what mm. they needed, I would provide it. I don't withhold good things. Yeah. I don't handicap you to make your struggle worse. Like everything I do is has a purpose. So entrust your soul to me. Trust me. Yes. And I mean, like you were saying, Hunter, like I think for a long time I wrestled with my place is like, okay, everyone who's married gets to display God's covenant love. Yes. What do I display? Like I just kind of seem like I took a backseat to everything and I'm missing out on something. And I don't remember when, but a while back, I maybe through a sermon on marriage and singleness. I really don't remember. I just remember kind of the Lord saying like, Hey, singleness is an opportunity for you to, to, to display my sufficiency. Yes. And I kind of, you know, I think in my younger years, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think as I get older and, you know, I'm, you know, at my age, I have a lot of friends that have been married now 10 or 15 yeah. years and, and they're hitting the really hard parts of totally. marriage. And I have had several friends whose spouses have up and walked away, who don't walk with the Lord, right. different things. And I have had several people say that, their friendship with me encourages them to remind them that their marriage isn't the end all. Yes. That that Christ is the end all. And they're like, even if my spouse never comes back, even if my spouse this, that, and the other. Yeah. You know, or if marriage continues to be the hard thing my whole life, like we never have this dreamy marriage that other people talk about, I can be reminded that Christ is my sufficiency. And so I was like, we got in a discussion with one of my friends that we need each other. Like I need right. the, the picture of marriage to be reminded of how the Lord loves me, like how a husband pursues his wife. I need that picture as a single person to be reminded that that's how my Lord loves me. And a married couple often needs the picture that even when things are hard in their marriage, their life doesn't have to crumble because God is sufficient. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we get to hold that picture, you know? Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing, they're not your normal narrators. 
Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. My mentor from college, she's, I believe she's in her 40s now. I'd love to connect you guys because she is just stellar, just like you, where you're just looking and you're like, you know, how could this be this amazing person, you know, not have somebody to share life with? And yeah. she said the exact same thing. She's like, you know, I watch my friends and now I'm able to kind of thank God <laughs> because mm-hmm. I am able to be single-minded in my ministry, single-minded in, you know, the passions that he has given me and I don't have to like worry about this conflict all the time. And so we're going to get more into that, but I'd love to hit on something that you're saying in regard to desiring to be married, because I think some people might think, well, Becca, maybe she wanted this. Maybe she chose this. Maybe this is what she felt called to. Like, have you always felt accepting of your singleness, Becca? Uh, No. No, 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 no. <laughs> Maybe not even today. Um, <laughs> I like to always clear that up. Like, I do think... That like so one I 100% desire to be married. If you guys know anyone, you feel free to con- let me know. <laughs> but I always tell people like people are like why well, I, I and I wrestled with this for a long time too. Like I don't feel called to be single. I desire to be married. Right. And I do think there are people out there that do have that unique call and gifting. And maybe Paul had that. I have some friends that are missionaries overseas that they really feel that call like right. I mean it they're like it would be like God hitting me over the head with a club to make me desire marriage like they're like I am just you know right now I'm running this wow. way but most of us are not in that boat that are single right and even as I get older it's not like I'm just more like oh I guess this is my life I'll just have cats or whatever <laughs> <laughs> which by the way I don't even like cats so that's not even an <laughs> but I think I had someone you know say when well, are, you know, I was like, I don't know if I feel called to singleness. And they're like, well, are you single? And I'm like, yes. Well, then yeah. you are today called to singleness. Yeah, I really like that. And you have to live today as unto the Lord and where he has you and not spend it in a state where you're, you spend all of your time mm-hmm. longing for something. It's okay mm-hmm. to have that desire. You just have to lay that at the Lord's feet and say, here's my desire. I mean, I, I pray often for a spouse, mm. uh, but I have to trust that the Lord is the one who knows and he's going to provide it. Uh, I've had people say, you know, well, if I was skinnier and I thought this too, if I was skinnier, quieter, prettier, if I, you know, be subscribed to more beauty products, I would be married. And I'm, I, every time I've taught a class, I'm like, but the reality is you guys all know someone that's fatter, weirder and uglier (laughs) than you. That's married. No offense to people, but it's true. And so it's that the Lord hasn't had it, doesn't have it for us yet. Yeah. Like missed some opportunity and we blew it for the rest of our lives it's that it's not part of the story yet and so um yeah you know so how i live my life today trusting him with my desires and bringing that before him he's not asking me to pretend like i don't have them but that i don't spend it where i'm so fixated on it that i can't live today for him and where i start believing i was went through a period where i thought this too like I kept thinking that God was holding out on me and I started believing that he wasn't good because he wouldn't give me this gift. Right. So, and then if you flipped it around, I always tell people this too, if I'm, which I've had these conversations with my friends who are married, they wake up sometimes and they don't want to be married yeah. because life's really hard and we would never counsel them to say, well, if you don't want to be married, then, then don't be married today. Right. Um, but with singleness, we're like, well, if you don't want to be single, then God must not be calling you to singleness. Right. Um, and so you can't flip that way. We just have to like, this is where the Lord has us. And this yeah. is the story. And so this is how we will, you know, live today. Yes. And yeah. And to view it as a kindness. I mean, it's kind of probably hard to receive this from somebody who is married and has two, two kids, not 2.5 yet. I almost said that. And then everyone's like, are you pregnant? Um, <laughs> no, not 2.5. But to see it as a gift, because it's this is the means by which whether you're married or single, God is drawing you near to himself. And 
it's so hard to see that sometimes. And I think a lot of the listeners who are single, they wrote in, they asked all their questions. A lot of questions that we got revolved around how can we fight for contentment and singleness without just completely shutting the door on those dreams? Because I think it's easier or it seems easier or maybe they've experienced it being easier just saying, I'm not even going to allow myself to hope for or pray for a husband, as you mentioned, because it's such a tender part of my heart. So I'm just going to close that off and I don't know, kind of almost kill that dream, if you will. So how can that person who's in that spot really fight for contentment and still allow herself to express that desire? Man, I just think so much of that is prayer. And I think when we stuff that or try to like compartmentalize that yeah. a part of us, we are missing out on knowing God in a way mm-hmm. that he is actually, that's part of the reason we're single is that we would, he wants us to know him and experience him yeah. in that way. Like every person is different. And so right. when we start comparing, that gets dangerous. But just like when, when I'm like, well, I'm not even going to pray anymore for it. Like he, I guess yeah. he just doesn't have it. He wants to know me intimately. He wants to hear what's hard for me so that I can experience him as a good dad who says, like, I know, Becca, I know this is hard, but watch how I'm going to provide for you today or watch how what I'm going to give you joy in today or watch what I'm going to do through you because you have this time or this ability. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people, when you talk about singleness, you start saying, okay, we're going to maybe bring up 1 Corinthians 7. And people are like, eh, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear Paul talk about how it's better you know, whatever. But I like to remind people, Paul was single. It's not like he's a married man telling a single person, hey, it's better to be single. Trust me. He's got the solidarity piece going. Yeah. He's like, hey, I mean, if you got to get married, you got to get married. But I'm telling you, it's better to be single. And we have to fight to believe that those things are true. And then when we don't, like when the days we don't believe, which happen often, where I think, Mm. I just had someone that could hold me right now. Or if I just Mm. had someone that could help right now. Right. Or that I could talk this through. I and mean, that's happened a lot as I try to navigate things with my boys. They're pretty right. complex trauma you know, to parent traumas. And so Absolutely. I'm like, if I just had someone else that was in our house that had the eyes to see and could say this, or even point out at me, hey, Becca, I think that really bothered you because totally. it's actually this part of you. I don't have that. Totally. Just to know you that intimately. Yeah. That's an opportunity for me to lean in and trust the Lord and know him in a way that I wouldn't get to otherwise. Yeah. And, that's, and just trust. He's in it. So I think I would tell people, don't don't shut it off. Ask, pray, but also hold it with an open hand, knowing that mm-hmm. our God is still good, even if he doesn't give it to you or he doesn't give it to you how you wanted it. Yeah. And then don't fixate on it so much that you can't move forward with what he's given you to do now. Yes. You know? I think that's so key where we often, even as married people, we look at singleness and we just view it, all the challenges that you have as a single person. And I think we fixate there sometimes, like you mentioned. So can we talk a little bit about the perks and the joys of being single? Like what can you do as a single person that married people can't do or that we might find more challenging because of our life season and circumstance? Yeah, uh, I always joke around the perks of a single person. You can spend your money how you want to spend your money. So if I, <laughs> yes. I mean, mine's a little different now because I'm a parent and, you right. know, like I, I do you have, have a lot of responsibilities financially. And I do think of my children before you start judging me out there. But if I see a <laughs> pair of shoes I like and I want them and I have money in my clothing budget, I'm just going to buy them. I'm totally. not going to, I don't have to like consult like, do you need pants? Do you need, it's like, oh, I just, I went and bought these these new shoes for CrossFit. Like, it's great. Like, yeah. and I didn't have to consult anyone. So I always joke around. I mean, same with your time. Like, right. even as a single parent, I'm, I'm still navigating with my boys. But like, mm-hmm. like at, the, at the end of the day, I'm making the decision of how our family is going to spend our time. Yeah. And how I'm going to spend my time. I'm going to take a nap or I'm going to, you know, whatever. And like, just things like that, that I often think like, oh, if I was married, I would be happy to give that up. But then I hear my married friends be like, hey, yeah, let's totally have a girl's night. And then it's like, oh, hey, my husband has this, that, and the other. We can't tonight. And they're not like upset about it, but it's just like, I don't have the freedom to just say, yeah, spontaneous girl's night. Yes. Just even, and and maybe this is because I work for a church, but you just, as a single person, you have the opportunity to serve the church like in a way that other people don't. It's so true. And um, you you have the freedom to go on mission trips a lot easier about coordinating. I mean, if I go out of town, I have to like coordinate all the things for my family. How are they going to eat? How, who's going to watch them? Who's going to make sure there's no big yeah. parties happening at our house? Those things, um, <laughs> you know, uh, you just have the opportunity to do that. You know, I'm a children's minister. Again, I'm biased here, but I think, man, when you're single, you have the opportunity. And even like when you're married and don't have kids yet, man, mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to yes. serve in kids or students ministry and be another voice in these kids life, man. 
maybe I feel this extra because I'm a single parent, but like yeah. I need people to speak yeah. into my lives besides me. Yeah. I got them at an age where they already thought adults were stupid or parents were stupid. So right. I needed people to come in and come alongside them yeah. and fill in the gaps. And, and some of my dearest friends here in Austin have five kids and, um, our schedules don't always run the same because elementary school kids and high school kids have a different schedule, but right. we spend time together and like, you know, I'll grab her kids and help take them to a movie or I'll, you know, help do stuff. And like, we work together. We, and I have the freedom mm. to just come over and I'll bring, you know, and as, as my 17 year old gets older, he does too. Like we can just go over and help them. That's awesome. It's just a great Such opportunity. A yeah. It really is like a gift, a mutual gift, like to them and yeah. to you. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I talk about too, like just, it takes a village mm-hmm. to raise kids and those kinds of things. And so what an opportunity for people who don't have kids, uh, for people who have flexibility of schedule to step in and help, you know, whether it's serving the church or serving, you know, families and those kinds of things. Right. You're touching on this element of community. And that's something that I really wanted to discuss with you, because I think as a single person, if I were to imagine myself in those shoes, I would imagine that intimacy, like the piece of just knowing and being known, being known over a long period of time, being known in depth, being seen like both successes and struggles, uh, you know, victories and sin, yeah. like that would probably be the point, the part of singleness that I would grieve over the most. But I know, Becca, that you experience intimacy within your community. And so I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit. How have you felt known? How do you pursue being known? And what does it look like to walk alongside people and to welcome people into your life in an intimate way? Yeah, I have a close group of, you know, friends. Uh, Most of my girlfriends are married. Uh, I don't have like a a band of single gals that I run around with because I'm just getting older. That doesn't really happen. Yeah. In fact, my small group, my missional community at church is is mostly married people. Hmm. And... I think for me, there was a lie that I believed that was like, oh, well, they're married. So it's like I couldn't. Right. Like they have what they need. close with them. Right. And I think that God's just shown me over time that that's not true. Like that they are human beings. They are men and women that that um, also, you know, there's a way that God's designed community to be close and um, and intimate, even not in a marriage. And so, and I think the lie that we believe sometimes is like, well, they, as a married person, they won't understand my struggles as a single person right. or as a single person, they won't understand my struggles as a married person. And while there are things that maybe I can't sympathize or empathize with and the same thing on their end, right. we can still pray for each other. We can still speak the gospel into each other. We can Absolutely, still show up yes. in each other's lives. Like, I mean, I understand what it's like to be in a three day disagreement with your husband and things are hard and whatever, but I can show up in ways that bless you and bless both of you or, you know, whatever. Um, and I can text and see how you're doing and those things. And so I think one of the, for me was just, I had to, I have to fight that lie Mm -hmm. that because we're in a different life stage that we can't understand each other. Yeah. And I just have to be willing to like open up. And even if I feel silly saying I feel lonely, I have to be willing to say that. That's such a vulnerable place, Becca, because you're saying, hey, you can speak back to this. And we're going to talk about that later. Like what people who are not in your circumstances might say that could be hurtful (laughs) when you're opening up to that degree. So bookmark that for later. But when you were speaking about your friends and them being married and you transitioning into a phase in which you're a little bit older, and so there's just like by nature of life happening, less single people, how do you relinquish that position of best friend? Or I know for me, there was an element of grieving when my best friend got married because I'm like, oh, this is kind of weird. Like now you're calling him best friend and you're telling him everything first. And I'm kind of taking a little bit of the back burner. So how do you, how do you navigate that when your friends are getting married? Yeah, actually this past year I had two of my closest friends uh, in Austin and they're both, you know, in their thirties get married. Wow. And it's been a while since I've had like, that happened so fast or, you know, whatever. And so I think I just, uh, it was a good reminder for me. Like it is different. I mean, life schedules are are different. Like uh, one of my friends moved further out into town. And so it was like, Mm -hmm. we weren't going to see each other. Yeah. And then, and now she was married. And so things were different and, you know, it just, it did change things. And I think that one is perfectly okay to go to the Lord and say, man, this change stinks. I was, I don't Mm -hmm. like change. I don't like, I don't, and this is going to be different now. And just, continue to relinquish that to him instead of like 
what I would find myself doing some days uh, is like shaking my fist at him. Like, how dare you take this thing from me? Yeah. Or how dare you change yeah. this? Yeah. And he's like, this thing, these friendships, um, none of them are going to be like what mm-hmm. fulfills you right. in your life. Like, I'm going to be the thing. Yes. So I'm trying to teach you cling to me or whatever. But also yes. trust me with the change. I mean, yeah. you know, they go my friends have gone through their like newlywed phase and um, you know, I'm hearing about the challenges and the the things that are going along with that. And, um, and we've got, we've just had to find different rhythms to hang out and spend time together. Yeah. Uh, And it's works. It's just been a time of change and a season of change. And so I think for me, it's just reminding that, you know, one of the things my dad's always told me, he's like, aside from Jesus, the only thing that's constant in this world is change. And I was like, well, that's very true. Yes. And I think just continuing to go to to Jesus with that change. Yes. And say like, man, I'm going to trust that you're going to provide. Totally. Yes. Um, You know, friendships and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that in his providence and in his kindness, he is continuing to work out his grace in us through the process of sanctification. And one of the ways that he does that is by our circumstances, like you're saying. So it's like, okay, this is a kindness to me because ultimately it's going to press me harder into Jesus and make me look more like him. But man, it is hard to accept that, especially if you're just a creature of habit like myself. And every single time any transition happens, whether it's a friend getting married, myself transitioning into marriage, us moving like we've done four times in the last six years or having kids, just being open enough to think like, okay, what does it look like for me to seek first the kingdom and its righteousness like today in this unique circumstance, regardless of whether or not it, it looks like it did last year or last week? Yeah. What does dinner time look like in your house? Is it a little chaotic and crazy like it is at mine? Let me tell you about Prep Dish and how they can help you simplify your evenings. You've probably heard us talk about Prep Dish in the past, and maybe you've thought, man, I just don't have time to meal prep. But let me tell you, with Prep Dish, meal prepping for the whole week honestly takes just about one hour with their super fast plan and about two hours for the gluten-free, paleo, and low-carb meal plans. If you need a change in how you handle dinner time at your house, you have got to try Prep Dish. You'll serve up delicious meals that your family will love, like green chili burgers, Caesar salmon wraps, and apricot glazed chicken thighs. Right now, the founder, Allison, is offering our listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. You can't beat that. Check out PrepDish.com forward slash journey for this great deal. Again, that's PrepDish.com forward slash journey for your first two weeks free. Okay, well, moving forward, I would love for you to talk about how we communicate to our children. Because I think even talking about my kids, one of my temptations is to think that their life is just going to look like my life. And so when I'm talking to my three-year-old or when I'm talking to my one-year-old, I've had to literally bite my tongue before I say like, well, one day when you get married Mm -hmm. or talking to them about the future. Yeah. And almost like placing those expectations on their Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. without even acknowledging that that is not an expectation that is promised. That's not a promise to us as believers. And so how can we as parents, you're a parent, how can we communicate about the future to our kids without giving them the impression that being married or having like a conventional traditional family of their own is ultimate and expected? Yeah, I think, I mean, that part of it is kind of like what you just said at the end, like you just can't paint marriage as the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. I think it's not, it's not wrong to teach your kids like how to be a good spouse, how to, you know, care for one another, those things, what marriage means. Like those are all things that are important. And, um, but I think we just can't paint marriage as the ultimate thing. So I think for me, one of the hardest things was all growing up, everything I heard about biblical womanhood involved Mm. being married and being, and being a mom. Wow. And so, yes, it was all in that context. Yes. And it didn't bother me when I was like young and in my younger 20s. Sure. Because you think maybe this is going to happen, at, you know, yeah. when I'm a little I older. I eventually become a biblical woman. And then at some point it's like, okay, I'm getting older. Biblical womanhood has to be more than just being married and being a mom. And as I've 
watch some of my friends who are married and struggle to have kids. I'm like, they're not any less of a biblical woman because they cannot conceive and have kids. And so I just think we have to be careful of how we paint what biblical manhood and biblical womanhood is. Yeah. Tell me that. What, how, 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 what is it, Becca? <laughs> uh, that would be another podcast. But I think for me, it's just like, you want to paint the most important thing to your kids is to love God and love people. Absolutely. Like, those are the most important things. Amen. And there may be an opportunity in your life. And for most of our kids, it's probably true that they're going to get married. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to paint that, like you said, as the promise or the expectation somehow that they feel like they would come up short if they don't. Even then, when they do get married, if they do then they're going to find themselves disappointed because marriage isn't yeah. ultimate. Like, yes, it does point us towards the ultimate. But again, marriage is not the end all be all. The ultimate is, you know, which is Jesus Christ and being in relationship with him and walking as his disciple and loving him and growing in intimacy with him. All these things you're describing. So I think either way, whether they get married or not, it's still a poor way of communicating. Like we should teach them that everything on this side of heaven serves to point us towards the ultimate, which is Christ. Yeah. Yep. And I think, you know, when you think of like what you want to teach your kids about being married or being a spouse or those things, all those things are found in God's word. Yes. All those things are found through living in community. And those are the things you want to push first anyways. Yeah. Like you want to teach your kids that they find what they're looking for in God's word. Um, they find the help they need in community. And I think that will just make them a better husband and wife more than trying to emphasize just the specifics of of being a husband or wife. So are you saying speaking about it a little bit more generally kind of as we love one another in the body of Christ? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. And I think, like I said, there's nothing wrong. I'm not saying don't talk to your kids about someday sure. if you get married or, I mean, I think you teach them a lot about marriage just through your marriage, you know, Absolutely. They're, they're watching you and they're going to desire that. Yeah. Um, and I think just having them, and I think even with little girls, as they begin to watch fairy tales and, and desire this yes. prince and those things, begin teaching them at that point that that's yes. not bad to desire a man, but like what's better is Jesus. And he will yes. give us in due time that if that's what he's got for us, you know. Yes. Totally using those as opportunities to point them yep. to the gospel. Yep. I'm so excited about that. I can't wait. My daughters are watching Tangled downstairs while we're recording this podcast. So perfect opportunity for our gospel presentation for today. (laughs) Well, for the engaged and married ladies who are listening, how can we, like myself, come alongside and support and encourage our friends that are in this season of singleness? I say, I think my, the biggest thing here is, man, just invite us to be a part of, like to be with you. I think sometimes there's an assumption on both ends They're like, married people will think like, oh, well, they're single. They're not going to want to hang out with us. Or single people think like, oh, married people aren't going to want to hang out with us. And that's just not true. Some of my longest and closest friends that live here in Austin, like I I said earlier, they're married. They have five kids. And that's one thing they've always done. It was like, I even lived with them for a period of time. And uh, one night they were going out with a bunch of other couples, all other couples. And they were like, hey, come with us. And I was like, Oh, and they were like, what? We're going to end up hanging out. All the girls are going to sit at one end of the table. The guys are going to sit at the other end anyways. Like, and that's what yeah. I didn't feel like I went out there with them that night and there were like four other couple, maybe four couples total or whatever. And I didn't feel like awkward. Odd. Yeah. It was just like, we're all hanging out and I'm friends with the guys and the girls and it didn't feel weird. And so I think for me, I had to believe that that wouldn't feel weird. Yeah. And I think for them, I was so appreciative of them just being like, we enjoy you as a human. Come hang out with us. They're like, unless we're going out the two of us, it's, it's not like a special date night. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I started realizing, yeah, unless you guys are all going to have like a makeout session, this won't feel awkward for me. So <laughs> it's just like hanging out with friends. Yeah. So I always tell people like, offer to hang out, you know, and yes. um, and while, and I can talk more about this too, while I'm happy to like come alongside your family and serve your family and babysit and those kinds of things because I have some more freedom to do that, Yeah, it really is hurtful to me when that's all I'm viewed as like, Oh, yes. we're a single person. Yes. You can come over on Friday night. And I'm like, Oh, but I, I would like to be with friends on Friday. Just like you want to be with friends on Friday. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think especially as I get older, I'm like, I also, I feel like I'm getting too old to babysit, but, uh, yeah. I'm like, let me for that and come alongside your family. And so right. just you assume that on me. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. You know? And so, um, I always tell people too, like, Yes, I wish I also had someone to go on a date with me, and I wish I, we could all make this like a triple date, but I'm not so distraught about that, that if I hang out with you on your double date, that I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. my life is over. Yeah. I, I just want to be around people. 
Um, and the same, like, I think people assume like, oh, well, you're not going to want to come into this mess of our family, you know, like, right. Like my friends this would have five kids. <laughs> I'm not like, it is crazy when I go yeah. to their house, but I'm not ever like, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, that's just life. And it's yeah. actually filling for me to go over because right. that's a life that I have yet to experience. Yeah. And so it's really filling for me to go over and experience that. It paints a great picture of reality. So I'm not making up some fairy tale married family life in my mind. Right. And if it's mutually helpful to you that I come over, I think that's a way, you know, we can benefit yeah. each other. So do people try to set you up a lot? Uh, not so much anymore. It's pretty funny. I get asked a lot more now, like, you do want to get married, right? <laughs> like, Cause, uh, yes. Cause they're assuming that maybe you don't because you aren't. Yeah. Because yeah, because I'm not. And, um, but I mean, just, yeah, just recently I was set up, which is, it's just really funny to navigate with my sons too, to be like, Hey, oh, FYI, I'm going I can on only imagine. And they're like, they're like, we got it. We're going to be at the door. You know, and I'm like, oh, my <laughs> all of a sudden your sons are there with the guns at the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, great. so, but yeah, but I, I'm other thing. I'm not opposed to that. I mean, if it's okay. like, I'm all for it. Uh, at, at this point, I'm like, I need all the help I can get. Tell me this. Is it ever annoying? Like at any point in your life, has it been annoying? Because sometimes I feel like I come to my single friends and I have this realization, like I need to make sure that I'm not just focusing on trying to set them up or who they like or what their dating life is like all the time because I kind of give that too much emphasis in our conversation yeah. sometimes. Yeah, that's a good point. I think overemphasizing it makes it feel like it makes sometimes it has made me feel like you think I can't be happy or complete or that there's something wrong with me until this happens. So I think there is like wisdom in like not every time bringing it up. But I also think if you never ask about it, that also feels weird. Yeah, totally. Because um, it's a part of your life. Yeah, some balance there. And then I think as far as being set up, it only bothers me when the person they set me up with feels like a total miss. Like, and it, it's like, I feel like you just chose just this guy single. breathes and is single. <laughs> like, I have some more standards than that. Or, oh, you know, Becca, I am so, so. sorry, which our whole <laughs> next podcast is going to be devoted to the topic of dating. So stay oh, tuned, good. everyone, because I felt like it was something that deserved an entire hour in and of itself, because it's just such a tricky thing to navigate. Well, what are some of the worst things that somebody could say to a single person, whether they're single or whether they're married? I thought a lot about this. There's been a couple. One is when people say things like, man, I've just, I feel so bad for you. Um, and oh I my think, gosh, that's offending yeah. me for you. <laughs> I think what they're trying to say is like, man, I know how hard life would be if I didn't have a spouse or like, I know how hard and I just, I can't yeah. imagine how you do that alone. Sure. But that's just a rude way of putting it. Um, or I've had someone say like, man, how do you feel about like missing out on like one of the greatest gifts or whatever? And I was what? like, okay, well, don't phrase it that way because yeah. that's wrong. Well, I was doing fine until you just said that. <laughs> yeah, until you asked that. <laughs> um, again, I think people are trying to understand. They're trying to sympathize. Right. But yeah, just dumb things come out. I get a lot. I mean, I just don't understand why you're not married. Yes. And like I just while that, that is kind of a compliment <laughs> to me, yeah. like. Okay, well, you see that I am marriage material. Um, what that actually begins to plant in me is the doubt of God's sovereignty. I start thinking mm -hmm. those thoughts of, yeah, was I skinnier? Did I miss an opportunity? Yeah. Did I, sh should I reach back out to this old college friend? You know, like it just starts planting yeah. all those. Like it places the emphasis too much on what you're doing. Yeah. Or when people say, and this doesn't really happen much uh, anymore, and I don't know if it's the community I'm in or, or what, or if maybe it's. Uh, my friends who are married and marriage is, you know, a different game when they've been married 10 or 15 years. But right. people used to say to me like, okay, it's okay, Becca, once you're ready, God will bring a husband. Yeah. And I'll, you know, implying that again, there's something too wrong with me to be married at the current time. Right. You're at saint status now, Becca. So that doesn't work for you anymore. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's saying that. Oh, once you're content, I feel like a lot of people preach that they're like, you know, once I was content, then God brought along yeah. just when I wasn't expecting yeah. it. Mr. Right. Yep. It's so annoying. <laughs> and which, you know, is some people's story, but yeah. most of us, it's not true. It's like, not promised. Yes. Where is that in scripture? That makes me mad. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I get pretty fired up about it. Yes. And I'm thinking too, even as a parent, I'm like, I don't give my kids good gifts when they're, when they deserve them. They yeah. don't get Christmas because they deserve Christmas. Yeah. I just love to blossom yes. and yes. love to give them what's good. And it's the same way with God. Like he's not like, Hey, when you deserve a husband or when you get it together and trust me enough, I'll give you one. Like, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and then I think 
one that's that has happened is people again trying to like understand me or connect with me about singleness they're like Becca I know dude when I was single but when they were single they were 21 and uh (laughs) which I was single at 21 too 21 year old single (laughs) Becca is very different than 36 year old single Becca so I'm like you lost yeah. me when you started talking about how you were single, but you, you got married at, at 22, which is fine that you got married at yes. 22. Don't try to tell me you understand yeah. all of what I'm experiencing because you were single once when you were in high school. Like, yeah. yes, it's just a different game. And Absolutely. so, like I said, I understand that at the end of the day, they're just trying to connect and not to say that there's not something they didn't learn when they were single and in their young 20s that, right. that doesn't apply or speak truth to me now. But it right. just feels a little like demeaning. Yeah, exactly. I totally get that because it's like when you're going through a nine month military deployment and somebody comes along and they're like, yeah, my husband was gone last week for business. And <laughs> you're just like, no, you're you, it's different. Totally mm-hmm. different. You, you're not meeting <laughs> me where I'm at right here. Yeah. <laughs> so what can we do instead? Like what would be helpful? Man, I tell people like um, just ask questions and, and listen. I think that's the best way to understand anybody what Absolutely. anybody's going through. And understanding at your core level, like even if you are in a similar circumstance, we are all wired different and different circumstances have happened to us. So no one truly understands exactly what you're feeling. Right. And so I think sometimes we're, if we have a connecting point, we're quick to say like, oh, I, I got it. I know exactly what you're feeling. And that's just not always the case. And it's not really helpful when you do that. So just asking questions, yeah. understanding. And then I think just trying to, like, I try to do this with any person I try to understand what, what the is and what I, as a image bearer, as a Christian, can do to help serve you. Like, what is the need yes. that you have, regardless of my, my life stage? What, what truth are you not believing, regardless yeah. of my life stage? And not thinking that we, we can't cross those lines yeah. because of our life stage. And, and then, I mean, just like, practically, I tell people all the time, like, there are things that are a little more challenging as a single girl. Like, When I go to the mechanic, when I'm like buying a car, like those things. And I've had friends who are like, their husbands will meet with me and talk about it or they'll go with me. That's that's awesome. They'll be like, oh, totally. Like I have, there's a family in our church that they're like, hey, you know, if you have trouble with your lawnmower, anything done around your house, you call me first before you call a repairman. If I can't fix it, then we'll talk about, you know, and they, it's true. They'll come over. He's fixed our lawnmower. He's done other tinkering things around the house. Like. So I think just like knowing there are things that are harder for me practically that I would love wisdom and and just support for my community on. So, yeah. Really cool. Well, I am definitely taking notes over here and seeking to learn how to love my single friends better. I think I can do a much better job of communicating. So I really, really appreciate your insight here. And do you have any other recommended resources for somebody who is single or even for somebody who's like me, who just wants to learn to love and serve their single friends well? Yeah. I mean, I don't have like the end all cure all. Totally. I was like thinking about that when you asked that question. I was like, well, it can be anything. It can be an experience or a book or whatever you want. A couple of things that have been um, helpful for me is Many years ago, I read a book called When People Are Big and God is Small by Ed Welch. Yes. Yeah, so good. And I think it obviously applies more outside of bounds of just dating and marriage. But I think it helped me see like I was holding a spouse in such a big position over my life that God was in a smaller position. It just really helped Mm. me think through and how I do that with any relationship. Because I think that some a temptation that begins to happen for people is like you hold the spouse and this intimacy high. And then when that doesn't happen, you begin to seek that in other relationships and friendships. And that can actually make your other friendships sour or unhealthy and yes. those things too. And that can happen to you whether you're married or not. Because I've yeah. seen it happen with women that are married. Absolutely. And, you know, that I kind of thing. I want to have a whole so entire show on codependency. Man. Message me after this uh, if you have any recommendations. <laughs> I know you guys have a ton of awesome counselors over there at the Stone. So, yeah. So that um, I've been currently listening to an audiobook, Marshall Siegel's Not Yet Married book. Oh, Okay cool and it's short uh nothing revolutionary has come out of it but it's just been like a good reminder all around like i feel like that book he's now married but a lot of that book is good for, i think for married and single people to listen okay. to Very um cool. and like it's just you know good things to remember and those are the two i think when i thought of like books that came to to that and then well actually i i say a praying life too again way broader than yeah than just married 
in dating and those kinds of things. But right. I think that's one of the things that's taught me to go to the Lord with yeah. the hard things, like feeling alone and, yes. you know, needing help, things like that book has really encouraged me to come before the Lord mm-hmm. with a childlike faith. And I, I probably read A Praying Life once a year. Awesome. I haven't read that. I'm excited. Oh, it's so good. It's by Paul Miller. It's really good. Okay, so, cool. We'll be sure to check yeah. that out. Well, yep. tell me, what are three of your simple joys? This is a question that I ask every guest on the show, and I just think it's fun. Man, I love, which is great because it's my job. I love kids. Mm. I love kids, like, just, they, there's so much joy in them. They just play. There's, like, imagination. Um, there's simple things, like, they can laugh. Um, at the simplest things, uh, you know, that's why we make goofy faces at kids and yeah. like yes. do all the, you know, like it just, which is great. It's like part of my job. I love just getting to be with kids. I wish we could have you over so that you could come <laughs> hang out with my kids and I could talk oh, to you more after this. There we go. <laughs> uh, I think another thing for me is just being active and being outside. Like yes. that's, such a, that's like what I like to do on my days off. I saw you CrossFit too, which I am also a weightlifter. <laughs> Oh, yeah, girl. I know. I'm aware if I talk about CrossFit that like it makes you annoying, but I do love it. Uh, <laughs> it is really, really fun. I, we get, That's a whole other thing we can talk about podcast. after we yep. hang up. Yeah, there yes. yeah. And then, I mean, I, I think uh, just being like being with friends, like a good a good meal, playing games, oh, like yes. just, you know, I'm I'm like a, a people person. And so I think being around um you know, uh, not necessarily a huge group of people, because then I feel like I'm, I'm actually go to the entertainer. That's kind of how I am. But if you get a, a, you know, a smaller group of people, it's just a very filling time for me, yes. good conversation and that kind of stuff. So those are, those are some things I enjoy. So. Man, I love that so much. Three things <laughs> that I also love. One of the other things that I love to hear from every guest on the show is who it is that's had an impact on their own journey with Jesus as this is the journey women podcast. Who is it that's spoken into your life in an impactful way, Becca? Man, yeah, you put that question on there, and I think my first reaction was like, man, I have, this question is harder and harder for me to answer, not because yeah. there's not great women in my life, but because as I get older, there's, more there's like more. so many yeah. seasons, there's so many more and more, and and, um, and I think I used to always think of it like, if who has impacted my, my, my walk with Jesus the most had to be like an older mentor, mm-hmm. um, which there have been those. Like, I mean, I know you've had Carrie Langemeyer on the show. When I worked at Pine Cove, she was someone I sought out for wisdom. I was roommates with Amy Spinney and she, or Waters now. Yes. And she was big. I mean, I feel like we yep. were, I love like iron sharp and iron. I mean, um, and then I've had friends here um, similarly. I mean, there's some of the gals that I've worked with. I've worked with for seven, eight, nine years. Right. And we just, you know, able to, 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 to labor together. As I get older, it's like harder to answer that question. But I think I've also realized sometimes the people that are impacting my life are the ones who are running right alongside of me. Yeah. Um, it's yes. not necessarily like, I, I think when I came to the stone, because we're such a young church, I was like, all right, who here is going to mentor me? Right. And, uh, yes. and it was like, Hey, there's nobody here older than you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, great. I can't be mentored. But instead the Lord's like, Hey, actually, <laughs> Some of these great people are running right alongside of you. Kind of that mutual experience of discipleship. Totally. And so I think for me in my current phase that some of the people I'm in community with right now are some of the people who are having the greatest impact. They're the ones who are day in, day out with me saying, helping me believe truth, fighting for me, supporting me when, you know, things are hard and showing up when I need them. And some people have been in this journey with me for a long time. Some people joined when I started fostering the boys and they have continued to be there and are showing up in my life and in the boy's life. And so, yeah. Well, we have a little bit of extra time. And if you don't mind, I would love for you to talk a little bit more about your boys and how God led you to the process of fostering, adopting. If you can squish it into like a five minute explanation, I know all the (laughs) listeners are just dying to hear, like, how did you as a single woman come to the conclusion that, man, maybe fostering is an option and even adoption and parenting is an option for me as a single person. So some people in our church had started some of our elders and stuff. We kind of talking about um, foster care and adoption. And actually I think we were just kind of using the term orphan care at that point. I don't think we were, we just didn't know what all it entailed. Mm -hmm. And um, the more they were talking about it, the more I was like, man, this would be like really cool to be involved. I love kids. Um, I could totally help in some way. And, you know, as a, as a single kids minister at our church, I can like, I could even help, you know, some kids and then get them connected to families in our church to adopt them. Like, 
you know, whatnot. And so <clears throat> a bunch of us went out to a, a, a Together for Adoption conference out in Nashville in like 2009, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I just went to learn. Like, I'm like, I don't even know what this means. That's what most of us were doing there. Right. And I happened to stumble into a, a breakout about foster care and understood that as a single person, you can do foster care because international and domestic adoption, a lot of times they want you to be married. It costs a lot of money. You know, international adoption can even get crazy. You have to have been married 10 years and have a master's or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so fostering seemed like one that was like an easier route that, that made more sense for a single person. And I was like, and I don't necessarily feel called to adopt. I don't necessarily want to adopt. Right. I could foster and help while moms and dads get their, you know, get their feet back under them or get them connected with another family or a church. So I came back. I was in a little bit of debt. And so I kind of moved in with a family for a while, some of my friends, and lived with them, paid off the debt, took the classes, got into a house, got everything ready, got licensed. When I was getting licensed, I was like, they were doing our home study or my home study. And I was like, hey, I, I want like one kid. Cause it's just, just one of me and, you know, probably preschool or elementary age would be perfect because that's what age all my friends kids are. Yeah. And so they were like, okay, we'll put that down as your preference. Um, and then they started asking all these other questions like, Hey, in Texas, they like to keep siblings together. Would you consider at least being licensed for two in case a situation came up where there were two siblings and you, you felt like you could say yes. And we wouldn't have to go back through and relicense you. We could just move forward. And I was like, sure. I only want one though. Just one. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll license you for two. And then they were like, we hear your age preference of like three to 10, but what if we went ahead and licensed you from zero to 18 for emergency placements? Like just for a short term thing, like when we call in the middle of the night and I'm like, sure, you could totally I would totally be someone in the middle of the night who would take a kid in because like, again, I don't have other people in my household that I have to consider my job's flexible in a sense. They would probably let me, you know, do whatever. Sure. Sure. So somehow (laughs) the Lord got me to be licensed for two kids age zero to 18. Wow. And again, I'm thinking one, three to 10 year old, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I got several calls that fall and none of them worked out. Some of them, you know, I said yes to, but just kind of the way right. it works, like foster care is kind of up and down. Um, and then in December, I have a friend that works at the child placing agency that I went through and she called me and she's like, Becca, I have a special case. Uh, there's two boys. And I was like, okay, two. And she's like, they're, uh, one of them's kind of in your age range. And I was like, wait, one of them's kind of in my age range. And she was like, they're 11 and 14. And I was like, oh, no. You know, I think my first question was like, well, how big are they? Could they beat me up? You know, those kinds yeah. of questions. Yeah. And so it turns out that another gal in our church that I was friends with, her entire small group had been licensed to babysit and had already to babysit in foster care and had already right. been babysitting these boys in another placement. And mm-hmm. so she, this, my friend at the agency connected me to her. This girl, Haley, gave me the whole download on the boys. And I just really felt like God was like, move forward. Hmm. I'm even providing all the babysitters. I'm like, yeah, I can't, I'm not, how can I even say no to this? But a tremendous amount of faith, I might note, because <laughs> again, they could beat you up. <laughs> no, that was a real fear. And again, I'm thinking foster care, like they'll be with me, you know, 18, 24 months and then, you know, move on. Well, they were with me like uh, eight months and they moved in back in with some biological family. Mm. And that uh, that's a whole nother story. But that is just as hard as everyone imagines. Like I, when people mm. say I could never foster because mm-hmm. uh, I could never do that. I mean, it's just as hard as, yeah. as you imagine. Um, but things kind of went awry with that family placement. And they came back to me mm. in December 2012, um, actually almost a year to the date of when they first moved in. And I knew when they came back that it was going to be like a forever deal. Wow. And uh, I kind of like, I mean, they called and were like, Becca, can we come back? You know, and I'm like, like crying on the phone. And I hung up and just was like, okay, Lord, like, this is not what I ever thought. This means I'm dying to a lot of dreams, a lot of things. Like yeah. I kind of knew at that point, like, yeah. I wasn't going to be able to like have as open of a dating life or free time for marriage, like yeah. all those things. Totally, and totally. I was really going to have to trust him with that. And so they moved back in. And then that next November of 2013, I adopted. And um, I wish I could tell you it's all wrapped up with a bow and it's been easy and wonderful ever since. But right. it's actually gotten harder ever since. Yeah. And the Lord has to constantly remind me that like, I'm not the, my boys' saviors. I am here as an ambassador to teach them about Jesus and to love them so they can experience him. Uh, but I, I can't save them. And we've yeah. just been 
in that journey and we'll continue to walk that journey for a long time. So, yeah. Wow. Well, what a beautiful picture of just the gospel. And I'm just so thankful for just your life lived in submission to whatever it is that the Lord has for you. And I'm I'm so encouraged, Becca. I know that everybody that's listening is going to be equally encouraged. So thank you so much just for your yeah. willingness to share your life with us today. Um, it's been a joy and a delight to get to hear from you. Thanks, Senator. It, it was a privilege to be able to share what God's doing. Y'all, I walked away from this conversation inspired to happily follow Jesus in whatever it is that he sets before me. I hope you found Becca's obedience to Christ just as inspiring as I did. As always, you can find the details on everything that we talked about on journeywomenpodcast.com listed under the show notes. This conversation is actually the second of five episodes that we're putting together on the topic of relationships. If you're new, be sure to hop back to last week's episode with Kim Vollendorf on intimacy with God and subscribe to the podcast so that you catch next week's episode on dating. To continue discussing relationships in light of the gospel throughout the week, find us on Instagram or Facebook at Journey Women Podcast or Journey Women Pod on Twitter. Thanks so much for allowing us to journey alongside you guys. It's a joy. Have a great week. We can't wait to see you here next Monday.